Hello, I'm Angeline Ong, and welcome to IG's Trading the Markets podcast. Here to discuss the outlook for the second half is IG's investment manager, Martin Harris. Uh, it's now the second half. It's been a really exciting first half. How have you adjusted your portfolio based on what we know from the first half? Hi there, Angeline. Thank you very much for having me today. Um, so first half of this year, most of our IG smart portfolios beat their benchmarks. We're really proud of the performance that we've been able to deliver. Uh, what we have been looking to adjust is as the uh, you know yield curve continues to change, we're looking to add a bit of duration, uh, particularly into the mid section of the yield curve, looking at sort of between 10 and 20 years. We've also allocated some of our risk budget towards a higher increase in equity exposure. And um, Interestingly enough, being able to look at it on a geographical perspective, we're moving away from just that magnificent seven uh, in the United States and looking at Japanese equities, um, possibly reducing uh, Chinese equities and also looking at European equities. Now, it's been an incredible week for the markets as well. The Fed and ECB as expected, tightening the Bank of Japan, altering a cornerstone of its uh, ultra-loose monetary policy. Markets, of course, seem to be split into two different camps. U.S. economic resilience means the Fed has achieved the holy grail of central banking. Uh, other market watchers are worried and eyeing rising credit card defaults and sobering outlooks and data out of China pointing to a slowdown. Martin, which camp are you leaning towards? Angelina, I think looking at the data yesterday showed that U.S. economy grew 2.4% on an annualized basis for the quarter, um, well above 1.8% expected. Uh, This gives us a clear picture that the U.S. has not been in a recession. I think it puts to bed a lot of uh, people saying that um, the market has actually been in a recession. Um, Consumer spending did slow slightly um, after a very surprising start to the year, but it's still quite strong. Retail, uh, U.S. retail sales outside of auto down 3.3%, but the dip was more than made up by business investment. So we've got a situation where we've got decent economic growth, a hot labor market, and slowing inflation. And that's due to the reduced energy and transport costs. Um, so that sounds like a scenario where the Fed could get the soft landing uh, and not the Ryanair landing that we had <laughs> previously spoken about. Um, the soft landing might even be more plausible if the Fed starts uh, announcing cuts or look to cut uh, late this year, beginning of next year. However, that's an unlikely scenario, I think, from a central bank credibility perspective. We're waiting to see that they actually hold average inflation below 3%. Um, you know, And typically with a lag of two to three quarters, it's it's more likely that Jerome Powell remains hawkish. We could potentially even get further rate hikes at the end of this year if the deceleration inflation doesn't come through. Um, in terms of China, certainly China's economic recovery continues to lose momentum. July coming out with some poor data. Um, the indicators really show that the consumers, they are pulling back on spending and the property market, uh, fixed real estate was the, the you know the real bogeyman um, in China continues to be a problem. So we're waiting to see what potential economic stimulus might look like to try and rescue the situation there. Um, Chinese uh, media 
and web uh, related uh, companies still look good to us though uh, spending still coming through on luxury goods so if we were to isolate a luxury goods sector as well as something like uh, the k-web sector um, we would still be looking at china but general broad chinese economy looking poor so martin based on all this how should investors position themselves which asset classes should they be uh, uh, going long on so I think this this brings into um, brings us into the realm of uh, multi asset diversification again, which is where we specialize. I think the idea of now really looking at trying to introduce some uh, long duration bonds into your portfolio, as well as a different uh, geographical exposure. So we spoke about it earlier, just in terms of our positioning, um, because you've got really this highly concentrated. Uh, mega cap uh, tech stock surge in the United States that has led the U.S. Uh, sort of rally. You need to potentially look for more value coming out of other sectors as well as other geographies. And so, as mentioned, we're looking to increase our equity exposure in Europe and in Japan, um, with our, and stay neutral uh, or at market weight effectively for the United States. So, not increase uh, exposure in the in the United States and look at places where we've got a little bit more value, uh, particularly in still upside in um, earnings uh, sort of um, multiples, as well as uh, upside in uh, earnings momentum. And that's coming, and that's not really expected in the United States because we see this kind of stretched valuation environment already. In terms of bond markets, um, we still have a risk that Inflation hasn't cooled, and so we could expect higher interest rates in the future. Um, you know, we, potentially there's a pause now for the United States, and then later on in the year we may see another 25 basis points increase. That would be, you know, really bad for uh, just normal bond investments. So what we would look to do is gradually increase uh, exposure into long duration bonds to try and mitigate against the risk of. Uh, higher inflation driving higher interest rates. Now, Martin, for our listeners and viewers um, who are thinking, hey, but we've still got this huge run-up in tech stocks boosted by uh, AI. You've talked a lot about uh, the beneficiaries uh, of this incremental AI spending, also the hype as well. How do you pick the winners when there's so much noise in the space? There's a lot of noise in the space, and I think the winners are ultimately, on a basic level, what we're looking at is who is going to be able to monetize the explosion of uh, generative AI early on. So the, we've got the, you know, our belief is that the well-capitalized tech services sector uh, are best positioned to monetize this. Um, individual names like CloudStrike, uh, Zscaler, uh, both in the cybersecurity space, they're already delivering. Uh, AI-related software, they're profitable. Um, then you can move on to AI improvements in the advertising tech stack. The likes of Google, the likes of Meta really are going to benefit from uh, advertising budgets being directed towards companies that are able to deliver that, those sort of insights and improved sort of uh, delivery uh, of advertising, um, able to penetrate the market a bit better, understand the end consumer and then, of course, um, the spades uh, and the pickaxes, we're talking about the, the hardware sector that are related to AI. 
that's where we, we've already seen the likes of NVIDIA, AMD really rallying on the back of expectations that they are going to be delivering all of the chips necessary for companies to um, deliver an AI service, requires a lot of uh, computing power. Um, so they still stand to benefit. The risk for the likes of the semiconductors, though, is still, and this is, if we go back to 2022, what was the risk then that actually really weighed heavily on that market? NVIDIA were in a terrible space in 2022, was the risk in Taiwan. And so um, part, part of this rally that we've seen in uh, semiconductors has been a bit of a short squeeze as people have had to exit that trade, um, really as, as earnings have ramped up as well as earnings expectations. So we still see um, that sector as a profitable one to be in, strong earnings expectations, but we wouldn't be allocating fresh money to it. Um, where we, if we were to push the, the, the narrative out is now who benefits the least from an AI revolution? Um, if the uh, efficiency gains are realized, um, this puts further pressure on the office real estate sector you know, um, particularly looking at um, worker sectors like customer services, uh, outbound marketing, broader kind of uh, software engineering, you're going to have a restriction on a net headcount growth in those areas. And so we just don't, we're not bullish on uh, on office real estate. And finally, Martin, you also like communication services. Now, which areas in particular excite you and which uh, industries and sectors should uh, investors avoid? Actually, I think this goes back to uh, elements of the, the AI benefit. Um, I think if we look at a stock like Meta, cost cuts um, were able to, you know, I think they cut 24% of their, their 2022 headcount earlier this year. Uh, broadly, when you look at pre-pandemic 2019 headcounts across the mega, tap, uh, me mega cap tech stocks, you're going to see that we're now flat to slightly down. So that cost cutting has really uh, driven kind of this tailwind on EPS upside um, as they've able to increase their topside um, as well as um, cut costs. Uh, we've got this great revenue boost. Um, we expect that um, that trend to continue, um, particularly as we see the likes of, you know, just AI efficiencies in certain parts of advertising revenue. So in terms of communication, we see the AI-related uh, stocks benefiting more so, uh, the likes of Google, the likes of Meta, benefiting more so than uh, the telecommunication stocks, uh, your Verizon Sprints, things like that. Thanks very much, Martin. We've got to leave it there. Um, Martin Harris, uh, their IG's investment manager, talking about how to adjust your portfolios for the second half of this year. For more analysis, do follow us on at IGcom and at Angeline Ong on Twitter. Until then, this is IGTV.